Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome back, Padres fans, to another episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk. Get ready for some Padres baseball in three, two, one. We're back for another episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk. Nick Kreider joined by Heath Bell. As always, Pods fans, we just swept the Cincinnati Reds. Not a good team, but nonetheless, it is a sweep. Feels good. The pitching staff was great. Um, the bats didn't click the, the entire time, but we definitely had some flashes of, of good offense. Heath, I know you liked what you saw. I did. Um, what were some of the highlights for you in the series? Well, it, those are the teams that we have to win. You know, the Atlanta Braves, we split. They're a pretty good team, but they're kind of struggling right now. So when we win as when we split a series, it's kind of like, okay, but we should have beat them. Everybody's kind of struggling against the Braves. So when the Cincinnati Reds come in and they're not particularly the best team for us to sweep them, it kind of shows, okay, yes, we are the better team. So what I liked about it is pitching, starting pitching was there. And guys started swinging the bat and it wasn't just Machado hitting it. Um, Coneworth, it was, it was other guys pro far had a big day and also on the defense had a big day. Um, so it's, you know, CJ Adram got another hit. So that was nice, but we can, we, we got to have him play every day. So can he do it in the big leagues or not? Right. Or is Kim going to be the guy? Um, but I liked what I saw just overall, because we're supposed to beat those teams. Yep. I just, I was a little shaky, even though we split with the Braves, they're not, they're struggling. So we should have took three out of four, but you know, the old saying is when you play a four game series, you want to split and a three game series, you want to sweep, or you basically want to win every series and winning two out of four is a win, you know, is basically winning the series. But early on, if you want to be a first place team, you want to be a playoff team, you've got to win every series and, um, I like what they did against Cincinnati. I just, you know, a little worried about Atlanta because the Dodgers are next and Atlanta is a good team. They're the defending world series champs. And we could only take two out of four yeah. when they're struggling. 
I mean, the Braves, you have to admit, Braves are struggling right now. Yeah, they are for sure. And now we're playing the Dodgers first place team. I mean, are we going to rise to the occasion or are we going to just say, well, you know, they're really, they're really hot right now and just yeah. make excuses. That's why I love Bob Melvin. Cause I don't think he's going to make any excuses. No, I agree. And I, I think we usually do rise to the occasion, no matter how good the Padres are. They try, they try their best to play the Dodgers well, and they do. I mean, last year there was some pretty great games and some good series that we saw um, despite the record of the Padres. But, yeah, you're right. We have to take care of the easy task at hand. You got to sweep the Reds, which we did, and you got to at least take three out of four, in my opinion, against the struggling Braves while you can, right? You know, kick them while they're down, I guess, is, is, is the phrase. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I love the starting pitching. I mean, Mackenzie Gore finally really coming to yeah, He got a first play. win. Yeah, first win, shutout. <laughs> I mean, that was a great first, or not first outing, but second outing for him. I mean, his first two outings, he he's looked like a pro. My question he's gonna, is, I, he's going to win fifteen games this year. I, well, I, I he stays on the roster. I hope so. My question is, what are they going to do when Clevenger and Blake Snell come back? You have you Darvish, you have Joe Musgrove, Nick Martinez. You've got Clevenger, Sean Manaya, Blake Snell, and Mackenzie Gore. What do you do? You get rid of one of them. What happens when? My thing is though, pitching depth is it's so valuable, right? Like what happens? Oh, okay. So you so basically you're saying Gore's got to go down. No, maybe someone moves to the the bullpen. No, bullpen's the worst thing for a starter. I mean, be on. I'm straight being honest with you. Bullpen is the worst thing for a starter. You know, as much as I like Gore, if we really have to, if everybody's pitching good, send him down. Keep him going. Next time we have a doubleheader, next time we need a pitching spot, Bring back we send up. a reliever down. We call him back up and say, you're going to be our guy every time we need another starter. But we put him in the bullpen and say our starters for the next two to three weeks do really well. And he's pitched one inning here, one inning there. Now what? When he starts. It happened to, it happened to Weathers last year. Yeah. No, yeah, um, you're right. I I need to go back down. down all the well. great teams, all the great teams do that. They send their great starter back down or they send a veteran to the bullpen. Right. So that's where Bob Melvin's got to step in and make the hard decision. It's so. a good problem to have though, you know, having pitching depth and having guys that can, that can go toe to toe with, with some of the good teams. I mean, Clevenger has looked really good in his rehab starts. Um, haven't seen much of Blake Snell yet, so it's going to take some time, but I'm excited. I mean, this pitching staff has definitely been the highlight. Now, if the offense were to start clicking, we'd be winning more games. I mean, yes, we have yeah, nine wins true. right now, but we can't rely on Jixon Profar to be the guy every day. No, no, we can't. He's already matched his season high in home runs. He, he, he had four home runs last season. I've worked, four out. Home runs he worked season. out. <laughs> yeah, he worked out a little bit. Hit the weight room. No, Hit but here, here's the thing. If you're going to look at our offense – if you look at the Braves offense, just okay. Grissom's under hitting the Mendoza line, basically two anything under 200 is a Mendoza line. Conworth under 200. Mo, Will Myers is under 200. Abrams is under 200, but he's a rookie. So I kind of give him a little bit of grace because he's not playing every day, but he's starting to a little bit. That's a big worry to me. I mean, you know, Machado is hitting three, three and a half. And so is uh, Hosmer. Hosmer, but who else is hitting the ball? No one. It's really, it's really just Machado Hosmer and Profar. And I think Coneworth, he's a really good hitter, but is he doing a sophomore slump? And if he is, he needs to hit in the seven hole. 
Yeah. Just yeah, put him in the seven hole. You're going to get more fastballs. Bob Melvin keeps on putting him at the three hole. I think he's trying to show him, and this is what I love about Bob. His is confidence in him. You Don't worry about it. He'll come. You're yeah. one of our main guys. Yep. But, and it's easy to be a, a person on TV outside just going, yeah, move him down. But I liked when I, when I coach and I see this after two weeks, it's, it's kind of struggling a little bit. All right. This is the plan. We're going to send you for the next week. We're going to put you down the six hole. Keep doing the same exact thing. You start roping the ball, even if you don't get hits. Right. And you start hitting the ball and have better at bats. Like I tell my son and the kids I coach, if you have better at bats, because you can't dictate you're going to get a hit or not. Just have a great swing on the ball. Hit the ball solid. We'll move you back to where you should be in the three hole. But I'm just trying to get you jump started. But like, when are you going to, when are you, when's when? You know, that's the whole point. Like CJ Abram, I'd bring him up and the first like two or three games, he'd start like the first series against Arizona. You're starting the Arizona, you know, or maybe the first two games. And then we're going to go with the veteran guy just to get your feet wet for a, you know, a, a day and then go back to the rookie. And then, you'd know, after the first seven to 10 days, can he hit, mm-hmm. does he have good at bats or not? But I mean, definitely pro far. He, he definitely can't be the guy. He's only hitting 250, and he had a great day, so his bat never jumped up. And, you know, Grissom is leading off, but he's only getting on one out of every 10 of bats, so that's one out of every two to three games. Our outfield's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't, I don't uh, understand. You know, it's hard being a manager. It really is. Yeah. But, I mean, the guys we brought in, Volt – He's hitting under 200. Yeah. You know, Kim's right at 200, so it's okay, whatever. Um, but Kim also doesn't get every day at bats, right? Yeah, he's 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 not getting any rhythm. So it's kind of, you know, he's another guy. You know, I think Kim, forgive me, I, I didn't look his career up, you know, his over in Asia, but I think he needs to play every day. And, you know, he, he'd probably be like a 260 hitter. And it's, that's what we need as a bridge gap like, and for Tati's coming back. Seems like they've been playing him a lot at, at short and uh, CJ in the outfield or CJ mm-hmm. at second when Cronenworth needs a day off and goes to DH. So I like when they play at the same time. I think it's, I think it's good for both of them for their development. Mm-hmm. Who's this uh, new kid? Jose. Uh, Ozukar. Yeah. Ozukar. He, he's got good speed. He's been taking some good at bats. I mean, small sample size, but. Uh, great defender as well. Um, I so like why, what I see why, so far. Why is he not playing over Grissom? Because he's just young. He's young. Yeah, I mean, he's like one of those guys that I think was made the roster to be like a defensive sub or like a pinch runner. Um, I mean, but, Grissom is a Golden Glove center fielder, and he's a guy who needs to, I think, just get in a rhythm. But it's just it's taken a long time for him. Well, that's the thing is sometimes you take two days off. And if you have your Bob Melvin say, Grissom, look, you're not hitting. And I respect you and everything, but we're going to put somebody else in front of you for this series. Right. But I, what I want you to do, it's a three game series. Let's maybe not do it against the Dodgers or the Dodgers. I don't know. And then say, come on, man. So this is what we're going to do. He's going to get these three starts. You have next series. I just need your mind, right? You're trying too hard. Blah, blah. But see, that's where I think Bob Melvin to a young guy like Tingler would be 
if, if Bob went to Grissom and said, Grissom, look, I know you're struggling. You really want to do well. Um, the next two days, the next three days, I want you to take BP. I just want you to relax. You're, I'm going to use you as pitch hitter. But the next series after that, you're playing. You're going to be my guy. I'm just giving you a little breather. Right. Where I think Grissom would go, okay, you know, I'll figure it out. But okay, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Where if somebody that's new as a manager would come in and say that, and he goes, dude, who is in, am I losing my job? You know, where I think, you know, somebody like Grissom would go, okay, I just need a little breather. And then come up and like, I'm not going to start the next two days just to get my feet, you know, under me or whatnot. And just, to, you know, try pressing because that does happen with guys. For sure. So, yeah, I just, I honestly see Bob Melvin, the most important thing that he's going to do, I'm hoping is in the next, in the next uh, series to road trip, the Dodgers, you know, three at home. And then we go on what a 10 day road trip. So it's three in Cincinnati, three in uh, Pittsburgh, Pitts, <laughs> play the Pirates, Pittsburgh. And then um, we better, we better uh, win every single game on that road trip. <laughs> then two in Cleveland. So what a gone with that one is. Yeah, I don't know. It's Cleveland Indians to me. I'm going to say that. <laughs> it's always the Indians for me. Great organization. But anyway, it's just. Those uh, eight games are going to be really important where when we come home, if Bob Melvin doesn't do some things to get the guys rolling, like Will Myers and Grissom and Coneworth, if we don't get those guys moving, it's going to be a long year for us. I'm just telling you right now, it's going to be a long year. That's the road trip that needs to get guys back on track for sure. You know, we just talked about it at the beginning of the show. You need to take care of the easy wins and uh, you need to make sure that you know, you get your guys in a groove on that road trip. I think, I mean, there's guys on our teams that, that struggle at home that perform really well on the road. Will Mars is one of those guys. He hits mm-hmm. really well on the road. So hopefully we get him back in action and uh, he, he catches his stride there. So we've got eight games on that road trip. What is considered a success on that road trip in terms of record and what, what's considered a failure? I mean, I think going 500 is a failure. 500 is a failure even if we go um well we need to go six and two if not seven and one if we want to be a playoff team and a a team to reckon with we need to go at least seven and one yeah six and two will be like okay we're a good team we're definitely beating the bad teams but you know what were the what were our two losses did we just make some mistakes and that's why we lost those games because if we didn't make mistakes and the other team just beat us, then we're in trouble. And speaking of mistakes, haven't made one yet this season. 14 straight games without an error. That's a major league record to open up a season. It's pretty incredible in my opinion. I mean, a lot of it has to do with management, I think. I think, I think that's a manager thing, you know, a different mindset. The, the defense seems to be uber-focused. Yeah. And then I truly believe that's, that's Bob Melvin right there. I I really think that's, that's what he brings in that everybody's comfortable and everybody's doing what they need to be doing, but now it's okay, Bob, can we get guys rolling? You know, I know he's probably already got some theories and some ideas out there and he doesn't want to do too much just yet because he's the new guy, but um, he's got to get our guys hitting. Yeah. I mean, pitching is there for the most part. 
Um, I'm really, really excited with everybody that's they're doing their thing, but now it's, it's uh, hitting. Yeah. And it is. I, I, and me playing in Petco park, this is what I hate about hitters. The ballpark's too big, right? Well, one, they brought the fences in from when I played, but if you had a big outfield, don't you think it's easier to get a hit or a double? Right. So when, when like Adrian Gonzalez and Nick Hunley and Chase Headley were like, oh man, the outfield's so big, you know, this ballpark's really big. Are you just talking about home runs? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think we need to be worried about home runs. I think we need to be worried about getting guys on. Exactly. That's, that's my big thing. And, you know, maybe I'm biased because I'm a pitcher. But that doesn't make any sense to me to say, oh, the ballpark's really big. But let me ask you this real quick. Of all those little trades that we did in the play, in the spring training, which one actually um, was a good one? I mean, I know it's an early sample size. There's two that are, have been really great so far. One being the Sean Manaya trade because he's yeah. been lights out. And then two, the Taylor Rogers trade. I mean, you look at so far, he's locked down every single save he's opportunity he's had. He's got five saves and hasn't really allowed any hits. So pitching. So all those first basemen that we got really helped us, right? Yep. <laughs> and what? How bad would management look right now if they traded for you know Eric Hosmer? They traded him away. What was it? The Mets? I still think they would try to do it just because his contract is so big. It clears up it clears up some space off the books in order to go after other players or even extend guys. I mean, you still want to extend a guy like Joe Musgrove, right? Yeah, I do. But you know, that's where management, I don't know where management's coming in because you know it's one of those things that say Eric Osmer has a great year this year. Say other guys start hitting, then you can possibly trade Eric or at the offseason, he has a great year. Hey man, he's figured it out, he's hot, this and that. Right. Go, go get him. But in spring training, it just seemed like in this offseason was weird, but in spring training, I just didn't, it didn't fathom to me. Yeah. You know, I also don't think that it's going to be good for the team juju if they trade away a guy like Eric Cosmer. I mean, Manny Machado had openly said that he would be pissed if Eric Cosmer got traded, let alone Machado. I mean, think about the rest of the team as well. Blake Snell, that's well, one of his best friends. And here, and here's the thing is, does management even know that? Or does Machado literally have to come out to the press and say shit like, yeah, it, it, it might have to be that way, honestly. I mean, so uh, therefore your management sucks. And I'm not talking about managers or coaches. I'm right. talking about the people that actually make the decisions, the GM. Well, what about your perspective? You know, when you were in a locker room and one of your close friends got traded, you know, or a guy that was a, a locker room presence that, you know, everyone trusted as a leader. What does that do for a locker room when, he, when a guy like that gets traded? You know, like when Jake Peavy you know, was like, traded. Yeah, when Gonzalez. Jake Peavy got traded, gosh, it was uh, – well, we were doing really bad and we heard he was getting traded and he didn't go through because he didn't want to go anywhere. And he publicly said, he goes, no, I denied the trade. I have no trade clause. And then the next week came up and I knew it was going to happen before. Cause he told us, he's like, they basically, my agent came to me and said, this is the third time they're trying to trade you to the white Sox." So, and he's like, I got to figure out for my family do it. Cause it seems like they don't want me here. And then that's where Adrian and myself all of a sudden started going, oh, crap. And then my last three years with San Diego, I was on the trading block every really the last two years. In July, is Heath Bell going to get traded? Is Heath Bell going to get traded? And uh, for me, it was not a fun time because, like, I wanted to stay in San Diego. And, 
And everybody wanted me to stay in San Diego and, but it wasn't in my hands, but it, it was like, man, it does man, what does management want to do here? You know, where I think management wants to win now, back then, I don't think they necessarily wanted to win. They just wanted, you know, the ownership is not the same owner now and Morad didn't have enough money to buy the team. We all found out later on, he was just getting the luxury tax money to buy the team. And, uh, so the major league baseball didn't allow him to do that as soon as they found that out. Cause he didn't have enough money in the bank and they sold back to John Moore. And then these guys got it. So, but these guys want to win. The, yeah. the owners want to win and deny that. And AJ, I think wants to win, but I don't think he knows how to win. Does that make sense? He's never because been in a program where he has been winning. I mean, he came from the Rangers, right? And they haven't won anything. Yeah, they made the World Series a couple of times, but they didn't. But win. who who was running that team? That was Nolan Ryan running that team, right? But he but he was in the organization. I'm just saying, his track he wasn't team. making decisions. It's like there's one. Right. There's good coaches, and there's great and there's good managers. Some coaches can't be managers, so there's some assistants that can't be the boss. When you're right. the boss, every decision relies on you. Mm-hmm. You, if you're the, if you're like the bench coach, he's basically the second manager. If you go out there and you, the manager makes some bad decisions and I say, I'm the manager and you're my bench coach. And you, you tell me three days in a row to pitch this guy. So I pitch that guy. doesn't work out. I don't go to the press and they're going, Hey, you got a three game losing streak. You know, it seems like you keep putting in the wrong guy. Well, I'm just listening to my bench coach. So now as the manager, is he actually making decisions or is he just having other people tell him? Right. So he basically is go, well, no, this is what we tried to do. We talked, you know, the coaches got together and we made a decision, but really it falls on that guy, the manager. Mm-hmm. And it's then if I get fired, then you step in, even though you were making the decisions, but I was yeah, allowing you to make the decisions. It's funny that AJ is the guy that has been getting, given the most opportunities. It seems like. I mean, you look at Jed Hoyer, right, who won a World Series with Boston and goes to the Padres and only spends two years there and then goes to the Cubs and then wins a World Series. Yep. Just goes to show the owners need some balls and sometimes make that a hard decision. I And this is my belief. The owners signed AJ to a five, six-year deal. They didn't want to fire somebody and have to pay him. You know, if he sat at home, if he took another job, they wouldn't have to pay him because the money's guaranteed. So they're just like, well, let's just see how he does. And then the pandemic year was a teaser because last year, if we had another shortened season, we would have been right there. But we right. had injuries and we fell at the end. So this year, I mean, hopefully it's not the same way. I mean, I think the Padres have a chance to do something special this year. Um, but it's just, gosh. I, and I, and I'm not upset and I'm not frustrated. I'm just frustrated. Guys are not starting off a little bit better, Yep. but I do have 99.9% that I feel like Bob Melvin will literally do something in the next, like I said, the Dodger series in this next uh, eight game road trip to get guys going. Yeah. Well, this He's is a too show good me of a manager sure. not to get guys going. This is a show me series for sure. When you play against the Dodgers, you want your guys playing the best of their ability. So hopefully this kind of gets them in a groove, but let's uh, transition for a quick second. Cause you wanted to talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. 
Yeah. So the unwritten rules, I'm starting to get really pissed off. <laughs> so and it's happening to the Padres more often and I'm getting really pissed off. Maybe I'm old school. I, 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 maybe I'm completely out of my mind, but the unwritten rule, I think somebody needs to write the damn book and um, just write them down. Some, right. Let's, let's not make it unwritten anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm getting, but the, the title of the book should be respect. Okay. And or respect the game. And, you know, if I get some time in the next year or two, or if I get, I don't know, somebody that can sit down and write faster than me or type faster than me. And that's probably everybody. Um, let's actually make the damn book because we just had a series with the giants that they bunted. So let me take on you. They were okay, up by so like they, 10 runs. It was nine or 10 runs. They bunted. So what was your take on it? I, I mean, for me, what it looked like was a young inexperienced hitter trying to get on base in a situation where it didn't really matter. He, that was more of like a, a, a me thing from the player, right? Where it's like, I want to boost my average, you know, like I see yeah. a hole, I'm taking it. Okay. So I take, I take it the exact same way. Do I think it's disrespectful? No, because let me give you an example. Um, should the giants just throw fastballs when they're up by 10 runs? No. Okay. You still so got to work. Pitchers are still trying to get people out, right? Exactly. So the hit, should the hitters not try to get on? I'm with you. So it's kind of in, you know, I've talked to so many people and they're like, but it's disrespectful. Well, Bunning's part of your game. You know, it's like if, if, if Mike Trout goes up there and butts, yeah, come on. You know, Albert Pujols, like it's, it's also, not, it's also different to steal in that situation. That's well, like, here's the thing. That's steal like the one. second, never have a problem with that. Steal third. Yes. The reason is because you steal third. The, it's a pass ball. It's an easy run. Steal second. It's you, you're still trying to you know do as well as best you can. Right. But the but the key is like you just got to play hard. You know the unwritten rules of no swinging with three and zero oh when you're up. Why not? I mean, if he's going to throw you a cookie, might as well go out there and, and, uh, and put swing. your hand in the jar. Like Tatis got in trouble from his yeah, own that team. that was bullcrap. But, but you know what? Here's the thing. If Tatis didn't swing on that, it wouldn't have started Slam Diego. That was the first, exactly. that was the first grand slam in San Diego that started this whole thing that sparked the team to hit four, four grand slams in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that swing was necessary. And we've seen time and time again, no lead is safe in professional sports. Exactly. So, and then like, you know, Dallas Braden with the Yankees in, in Oakland where A-Rod ran across the mound. That's just a, I feel like when you play, if you respect your opponent, stuff like that doesn't happen. Right. Because what if A-Rod, and we all know A-Rod's a douchebag. Um, yes. And I said it on air. Uh, he ran across the mound, but what if he like tried to run? And when you run with spikes, you can try to mess up somebody's footing. Mm-hmm. You know, what if the pitchers ran up to the hitter when he was out of the box, moved, moved a bunch of dirt in the box and then said, I need a new ball and then ran back. Pretty right. sure the hitter would be like, that's disrespectful. They're not going to be like, that's an unwritten rule. But we always think about anything that we don't like. That's an unwritten rule. No, it's disrespect. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Hitting a home run, Bautista did this, you know, in Toronto. Everybody called it disrespectful. He hit a huge home run for uh, Toronto in Toronto. Forget who it was against the Yankees or something. And then the bat flip. Bat flip. But 
did he do it to show up the pitcher or was he just in the moment? Because I believe he was in the moment for now, sure later on. Yes. You see guys hit the ball and stare at the pitcher. Now that's disrespect. Yeah. Staring at the pitcher is one thing, but like the bat flip is it's. Well, it's, it's become a person. part of the game, it's but the let me person. put it this way. Ricky Henderson. He would hit the ball when he knew when Ricky knew it was a home run there. He had this little, you know, pop his shirt, pop his collar, whatever it was, kind of flip the bat a little bit, do this. And he just jogged and nobody had a problem with it because that's what he did. Ken Griffey, same way. Ken Griffey was huge on it, hit it, held the bat and stood there and looked at it. Then he jogged. But Ken Griffey never looked at the pitcher. He never right. did it as a disrespect. He goes, this is how I hit home runs. But Griffey and Ricky never did what like Yasio Preg does or some other guys. They hit a home run, they pimp it and go, oh shit, it's only going to be a double. <laughs> you know, where it didn't go out and they had to run. Right. Never saw Griffey do that. Never saw Ricky Henderson do that. That's a sign of you hit it. That's even like I've been in situations where I've thrown the pitch and I was, as soon as the ball released, I was like, no, Damn it. Yeah. the guy hit it. I didn't even look. I just looked at the umpire and went, can I have another one ball? Cause he knew I, everybody knew it was gone right now. There's some, I've had home runs hit off me where you hit it and you're like, Oh, please don't get all of that. And it just barely goes out. Well, I've always said, if you want to pimp a ball and stand there and watch it, hit it 20, 30 rows back where you hit the ball, everybody knows that's a home run. Mm -hmm. Don't hit a ball, stand there, flip your bat, do whatever you want to do. And it's two rows back. Cause you did not know yeah, that that was going to the go outfielder out. make, tries to make a play on it and barely misses it. <laughs> exactly. And he's standing there doing his all routine, blah, right. blah, blah. With, with, with bat flips and pimping as well. Like, I mean, I think my take is like, if, if you're a pitcher that doesn't want a hitter to, to pimp you, I mean, then just don't, don't throw that pitch. And, uh, well, but here's don't, don't the thing is so <laughs> the unwritten rule with that is if somebody shows you up, you're, you know, then you go retaliate at him. Yeah, you throw at him. But it's when they, somebody shows you up, it's called, they disrespect you. Right. Now, if somebody hits a home run and does a bat flip, that's not disrespectful. He's not looking at you. He hit the ball and he's admiring how far he hit the freaking ball. Yeah, of course. He's okay. He's allowed to do that. Just like, and I've, and I said this when I was playing, when I struck you out and I pumped my fist, so be it. The yeah, only you're person that the middle, really you're not giving the middle finger to the batter. You know, the funny part is the only person that was pissed that when I struck him out, I pumped my fist was soon to be Mr. 3000 Melky Cabrera or not Melky Miguel Cabrera. He's he hated when I struck him out. He stared me down. And the funny part is when he was with Florida, I struck him out and it was, this happened twice. Struck him out to finish the inning two different times. And I do what I do. I was jogging off because I was a middle relief at the time. And the dugout was like, dude, he's staring you down. So the next time I struck him out, I jogged off like I normally do. And then I peeked over and I see him staring at me. And I just kind of look back in the dugout because I'm like, what the hell are you staring at me for? <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you don't want me to get excited, hit the ball. Yeah. But my whole thing was I didn't, I didn't look at you and go, oh, I got you. 
and then we jogged off. I just put my head down and pumped my fist or screamed or whatever I did. And then went on my business. That was just an emotion, just a reaction that come out. I never planned to do that. That's just something that happened because yeah. I didn't do it every strikeout. It's sports. And I mean, we, we get excited. We get pumped up. I mean, it's so the that's where I'm in. I got to write this book. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what's, what's the, what's the, 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 the book going to do, you know, people are going to follow the rules. I mean, I think, I think, it'll just, I think it'll, people, it people this, this generation will realize it's, it's about emotion. It's not about disrespect. Right. That's Human all book. it is. And basically it's how unwritten rules are stupid. The unwritten rule was basically meant to, you were just respecting other people. That's right. all it was. It's like, um, uh, Nolan Ryan back in the day or Walter Johnson, any great pitcher back in the day, John, if you got in the box and you, you called time cause you had to dig in to the dirt, the pitcher would throw in high and in and go, that's not your play. That's not your area. That's my area. I have a ball in my hand, you know, kind of that aspect. Like you don't dig in, you walk in. Right. You know? So but the generation has changed and the bat flip. And my whole thing is everybody asked me a couple of years ago, what do you think about the bat flip? What do you think about the bat flip? I said, bat flip is fine. As long as you know, it's a home run, but as soon as you bat flip and it's not a home run, it's almost like you shouldn't be allowed to do that no more. Yeah. Well, you look like an idiot if, if you bat flip and it's not a home run and that's on them. Yeah. But the media doesn't promote it as much. Right. And we should make guys look like idiots just right. like, we always got, we make pitchers look like idiots, but they, they promote like the umpire was wrong when they throw a pitch and the pitcher starts walking off, you know, and it's like, that's not a strike, bud. Get back out there, you know? Yeah. So a lot has changed. One thing that has changed, we'll touch on really quickly, the uh, pitch indicator, the little uh, remote control that tells pitchers what uh, the catcher wants them to throw. What's your take on that? I think we're getting dumber as going, because I know, um, Sorry, Houston, but Houston is out there trying to figure out how to how many beeps they are to tell their hitters, you know, to you know, figure out what yeah, they have supersonic they, earbuds that pick yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, or something like that. But all joking aside, is growing up, I knew Domino's phone number, I knew my house phone number, I knew my friend's house phone number. Now we have technology and we have computers in our hand as our phone, and I use this damn thing every day. And um, but the thing is, is I can't remember anybody's phone number anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really feel like, and I hate guys. I hate it. I seriously hate it, especially watching with my son because his, his team does it where they pull out their back pocket. Okay. What's the scouting report? A little piece of paper. Oh, what should, where should I go into this hitter? Did you ever go? Oh, I mean, gosh, we would have a 30 minute meeting before every game about every single batter, you know, a guy yeah. get called up. We would have a little meeting about him. Um, or some of the coach would come over and talk to us. This is what we're going to do. You know, the hitters, the defense would have a meeting what the pitchers are going to do. So we all have like our little homework to do what we were supposed to do. And it kind of weeded out the players with talent that with the two cents head. Now, if you have a two cents head, don't worry about it. We'll just tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think it's making the baseball players dumber. And, you know, now let's get umpires, electronic strike zone. Well, why don't we just get a electronic pitcher? Yeah. Make yeah. robots pitchers and we can all be, just hitters. I will say that there might be a slight aspect of speeding up the game involved because you think about 
how long it takes. I mean, it takes a couple of seconds to throw down some signs every now and then the pitcher to shake it off or to. And to, just like, let's make, let's get every call right. And that will speed up the game. Right. Okay. Now there's no more argument. There's no more fun argument to rally your team to get thrown out of the game. Yeah. That, that you completely got rid of that. So it, it doesn't speed up the game. I guarantee it doesn't. Cause what if the battery goes dead? What if you're not, if the crowd is like a playoff game, crowd is so loud you can't feel the beep 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 yeah well you i've seen guys who have gone back and forth between the pitch indicator electronically and then just throwing down signs which in my mind it's just like what like why when why do you choose to do the pitch indicator and why do you choose to do the, the signs like is it because there's a man on second you know what like come on is the guy really gonna steal signs like i'm sure it happens but I don't think guys, it happens that frequently. Guys steal signs all the time when it's easy to steal signs. Right, exactly. But literally, literally the hardest, but it's so easy. Um, um, outs plus one. You know, you could do outs plus two, outs plus three. So outs plus one, what it is, is no outs plus one. So it's the first sign. One out plus one, you know, and then you say outs plus one. So you have one out. Plus and what's what's one. the guy in second do? He just like taps his leg, you know, a certain amount of times. Uh, for what? To, well, so to if, it's, what? if it's outs plus one, right? Let's say there's a man on second, outs plus one. You know, there's mm-hmm. two outs. You know, you, you it's throw a third down, sign. You, yeah, you throw down the sign. Is he just tapping his leg for the the batter to see? Is that how they relay the sign? So you just put your fingers down, but it's the third sign. It's the third third sign that the catcher gave is what pitch you're gonna throw. Does that make sense? Yep. But here's the thing. You can do outs plus two. Yep. Outs minus one. That did it all the time. You know, when we knew something was going on, it was like, hey, we're going to do outs plus one. Um, or we're going to do uh, every odd inning, we're going to do outs plus two. Every even inning, we're doing outs plus one. The other team will never know. So crafty. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's so simple. Yeah. We can't, and players nowadays can't figure that out, or coaches can't figure that out because, yeah, I really believe it's because the 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 nerds up front can't figure it out, and they can't really they want to be the ones relaying everything to everybody. These these uh, pitch indicators remind me of like those those videos you see on the internet of like dogs pressing a button when they want to like oh, go yeah. outside or like when they have play. to go to the bathroom. Pet it's me. like play, food, treat. It's like come on, really? Like, is it that simple? It, it really know. is. I think it's that simple. So we're, you're just basically all the players are dogs now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got another uh, great series coming up with the Dodgers. Hopefully we can sweep them here in San Diego. I'm in fact going to the Friday night game today. Um, and then we've got an easy road trip. Hopefully we can get at least seven wins out of that one. So we'll come back with you guys next week and see how we did. Go pods, baby. Go pods. This episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today to get your free welcome bonus by using the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow today for the ones you'll always look out for trust amica life insurance amica empathy is our best policy the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories 
but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.